Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. It has been yet another very interesting week in America. <laughs> so let's go ahead, because there's a lot to talk about, like a lot to talk about. So we'll go ahead and start where I have been starting, and that is with the unemployment numbers. Um, for the week that ended on June the 6th, um, new unemployment claims were 1.5 million. So, hey, we've gotten it down to 1.5 million, which that's good news. It's dropping week over week, which is nice. Um, I think we're still at a tick over 20 million people still on the unemployment rolls, though. So still a lot of people out of work, but at least the initial claims are going down week over week. And just as a reminder, even though... Noting that 1.5 million is a very high number, it's way off of our peak of 9 million for, I think that was either the second or third week we started counting COVID-related unemployment numbers. So it has come down drastically. It is coming down week over week. So hopefully, fingers crossed, it will continue to do so and that hopefully we will not have a second wave in the summer that will necessitate more lockdowns, which will drive everything back up again. Although it's starting to look a little scary out there right now because there are a couple of states that are having spikes in COVID-related cases right now. Um, States that did go ahead and reopen um still a little too early to tell if there's going to be any kind of covid related spikes due to the protests so fingers crossed on that but like i said in a previous episode no matter what happens there whether there is a spike in cases or not a spike in cases things are going to get very ugly either way so moving on to a story that didn't get a lot of attention, mainly because I guess it really doesn't matter all that much, but I think it's kind of funny. But the RNC has officially moved their their conference to Jacksonville. So everybody's going to Florida this summer. <laughs> Obviously, as far as I know, um, LP Orlando is still on. I've not heard anything different. And now the RNC is moving down to Jacksonville. I think they're still planning on doing the same dates, which theirs wasn't going to be till early August anyway, because I mean, honestly, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's, I mean, obviously Trump is the nominee. It's not exactly like they have a lot of party business that needs to be handled any earlier than that. So there's that. Everybody is going to Florida and there's still no word on what the DNC is going to do outside of they did push theirs back a couple of weeks. So it is at the end of July now, but I've not heard anything about any location changes. So we shall see. But moving on from that, um, lots and lots and lots to talk about as far as policing this week. There, there's been some some interesting news. There's some experiments taking place. There's some fairly horrible news out there. But um, as far as Justin Amash's bill is concerned, it is now officially tripartisan. Uh, we've got one Republican on board. One, which technically makes it tripartisan. And I, I like it just because I like saying tripartisan because this is the first time we've ever had a tripartisan bill. Because this is the first time we've had a libertarian actually in 
the House to write a bill. And now obviously there's, I forget how many Democrats are on board with Justin Amash's bill now, but now you get one Republican. So, hey, it's progress. And on the topic of progress, uh, Democrats did release their own version of a criminal justice reform bill in the House. Uh, what they're just looking to do is, I don't think they specifically call for the abolition of qualified immunity, but it does specifically ban chokeholds nationwide. It bans no-knock warrants on on drug-related cases. They're, so you can't do no-knock raids anymore, like what happened with Breonna Taylor. Um, you They want to set up a system where local police departments have to report use of force to the federal government so that statistics can be compiled along the lines of trying to figure out excessive force, use of force, when the force is used, who it's used against, to try to, I guess, create some sort of database so that we can get a a hopefully accurate bead on what exactly is going on. Obviously, all of this is going to be completely reliant on obviously any of this getting passed and also on local PD actually going along with any of this. And the the other component of getting local PD to go along with this is there is going to be like a grant set up for the establishment of independent investigative panels on the local level to investigate cases where there could possibly have been excessive use of force, where somebody ends up injured or killed. Again, all of this is going to be kind of reliant on local police departments cooperating. And there's also the question of, does this bill really go far enough? And for a lot of people, it doesn't. And I mean, for me, it's better than nothing. But I mean, I've I've been very very vocal about the fact that the the base point where we have to start is abolishing qualified immunity like that is the starting point after that we can start talking about police unions and then we can kind of start going from there and kind of getting more into why these things keep happening in the first place we can start talking about the culture and the training of cops and how all this leads to a specific mindset yeah I mean, it's it's better than nothing, but I personally don't think it's enough. And for what it's worth, people have pointed out, um, especially on the topic of chokeholds, um, New York had banned chokeholds before Eric Garner's death, and yet Eric Garner died from being put in a chokehold. So that that's my point of getting local police departments to even cooperate with this stuff, because you can make a thing illegal. It doesn't mean somebody's not going to do it. But on the other hand... I don't know what else Congress can do other than pass a bill making certain things illegal and giving people some kind of avenue for some kind of justice if such a thing were to happen to them or to their loved ones. So is it perfect? No. Do I wish they would put more in the bill? Yes. From what I understand, they're trying to rush it to the floor for debate. So we'll see what ends up happening with the final verbiage. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, maybe something comes out of this. I mean, I'm I'm very surprised and I'm very pleased that Congress is taking so much action on the topic. Like I said in the last weekly roundup, I mean, this is kind of unprecedented. Like it's it's rare to see Congress act on this topic so forcefully in such a, a quick amount of time. And I 
I'm I'm happy to see that. I'm happy to see Congress finally doing something to justify their paychecks. So fingers crossed, and obviously this is still going to be something that we're going to be discussing for a while, because obviously once this goes to the floor, once it starts going up for debate, obviously that is going to be a topic of conversation. But moving on, especially on the topic of is this enough? We we're having an interesting conversation this week about abolishing the police. And just to kind of back up and start this, um, people started saying abolish the police and there was some pushback on that. And so somehow or another, I'm not entirely sure how this happened. Somehow we've redefined abolish the police to either defund or reform the police. And I'm first of all, I'm like, wait a minute. I know people that when they say abolish the police, they mean abolish the police. They don't mean reform the police. They don't mean defund the police. They mean abolish the police. And there are people who have been saying this for decades now. So I I, I don't know how abolish the police is somehow misinterpreted as anything other than abolish the police. I mean, everybody can say something else if that's what they mean, but don't kid yourself and, and think that people that say abolish the police don't mean abolish the police. They very much do. And so we're having this conversation about what to do with policing in America. And it's not that I'm unsympathetic to the people who want to make the argument of, oh, we just need to reform the police or we need to defund the police. Here is my point. And Again, I'm just drawing on the events of the past couple of weeks of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of documented instances of police interfering with peaceful protesters, interfering with people who aren't even part of a protest, but are just trying to get through a protest to either get home or get to their business or to just handle their daily lives. How exactly do you reform that kind of behavior. Like, I feel like people who are saying, oh, we just need to reform the police. Like, I, I'm not thinking they understand how massive an undertaking that would be. Because in order for a group of people to change their behavior, you would have to first convince them that what they're doing is wrong. And if the police were of a mind to understand that what they're doing is wrong in these instances, we wouldn't be having this conversation in the first place because this kind of reform and this kind of change would have already happened organically. It wouldn't be something where you'd have to institute a law or start saying, oh, we need to do more more training or we need to do this or we need to do that. It's something that would be happening organically within police departments because they would realize, oh, this behavior is wrong. We need to correct it. So, The root problem that you're going to have to face if you want to reform the police is to understand that this is a group of people who don't really want to be reformed. They're not interested in changing their behavior. So once you understand that, it's kind of like, well, where where do you go from there? Like, what do you do with that? You can't you can't really force someone to change their attitudes if they're not ready within themselves to do it. You know what I mean? It'd be like taking a drug addict to rehab if they're not ready to stop doing drugs. Like, it's just a waste of time and money at that point. And as far as defunding the police, sure, definitely. There are cities in this country who have just 
budgets for the police departments that are astronomical. I mean, New York City's is at, I believe, $3 billion a year now. $3 billion just for the NYPD. That's insane. Like, that is absurd. There's there's way too many cops. There's way too much money in this. And that's when you also get all these things where you end up buying these crazy militarized weapons and all this stuff because you have the money to do it. And in order to justify asking for more money, obviously, you have to spend up your whole budget. So you end up buying all this crazy shit and doing all this stuff. And it's just it. I, I'm definitely of a mind that if you want to start slashing police budgets in this country, go right ahead. But know that that in and of itself is not going to fix the problem because the root of the problem is the culture of non-accountability and of the attitudes that are instilled into officers during training and during just their, their work. That's what needs to be changed. And so... When you say the the defund the cops, when you say reform the cops, know that what you're saying is a huge, huge, huge task. And it's not something that's going to be some simple, like flip the switch and then whoop. Okay, cool. Policing is better in this country because if it was that easy, libertarians would have done this decades ago. Like we've been here advocating for this kind of stuff and trying to draw attention to policing in this country for decades and trying to affect change. And and trust me, we will tell you this is not easy. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take a lot of sustained pressure, not just over like months. I mean, we're talking years, possibly decades to make the kind of changes that need to happen to keep these instances from happening. So that being said, Moving on to the idea of abolishing the police. Minneapolis, their city council voted unanimously to disband their city's police force and replace it with a what is being called a community-led public safety system. Obviously, there has been much talk about all of that. Uh, it's not happened yet. So what's going to happen? I'm not entirely sure. But seeing as it was a unanimous vote, I am assuming there are plans going forward. I'm not entirely sure how you abolish a police department. I'm not like logistically. I don't know how that's going to work, but they're apparently going to do it. And for me, I say let federalism work. I mean, if they want to do this experiment to see if you can have a city without a police department, go for it. If that's what they want to do, fine. And uh, hopefully it works out for them. I, I, I sincerely hope this experiment works for them because then it could be a model going forward to at least radically reduce the amount of policing in this country, if not getting rid of it altogether. I've seen people make an argument, though, and its I don't think it's an entirely invalid argument in that if you do have a city like Minneapolis, which is not a small city, I mean, it's not a huge city, but it's not a small city. If they disband their police force and now you know that there's a city that doesn't have a police force, how does this affect property values? How does this affect a business's decision to go into that city? How does this affect basically the workings of the city and how many people are going to want to stay within that city or leave. I guess this will all be remain to be seen. But 
I mean, I can't fault them for wanting to try this, especially since obviously Minneapolis is where the George Floyd situation situation happened. So, okay, we're going to get experimental. And it's funny that for for all the years that we've heard libertarians and anarchists kind of discuss these sorts of ideas of what would happen if all of a sudden, like over the past couple of weeks, or even just the past week, it's been progressives who are like, fuck it, let's do this and find out. It is, it's kind of it's kind of weird and ironic in a way that progressives are going to be the ones to really just go find out, to d- just do it and see what happens. So uh, fingers crossed for Minneapolis. Like I said, I'm sure we'll still be talking about this ages from now, because like I said, I don't even know like logistically how like what the first step is like how do you do you just like fire all the police or do you shut down the precincts or what what do you do with all the equipment what do you do with the staff i don't i don't know i don't know if they know yet so we shall see when this starts happening kind of how this all ends up shaking out but the other grand experiment that is happening now is the chapel hill autonomous zone or the chaz for short which is just such an unfortunate acronym. Why, like, why did it have to sound like an 80s hedge fund manager? But in case you've not noticed, in Seattle, a roughly six block portion of the city has been, for lack of a better description, taken over by people who have decided to declare it an autonomous zone that it's no longer technically part of Seattle. It's its own thing. And the, the date that we've pretty much all settled on of uh, the establishment of the Chaz was June 8th. And how this started was during the protests, um, the the 6th Precinct basically abandoned their building. The police abandoned that building. And so uh, people moved in to the building and declared it as their own. And it just kind of spread out from there. Whether it's going to spread more, I don't know. I don't think so. They don't seem to be, but who knows? Because this is just a really odd situation. Because obviously, like, if Seattle PD or, say, the Washington National Guard or whoever wanted to go in and put an end to this experiment, they absolutely could. Like, there's nothing stopping them from being like, okay, that that's cute. Anyway, no, and no, and get the fuck out. But as it stands right now, um, they haven't. Although I've heard, I've heard a recording of a nine one one call from somebody from inside the Chaz trying to call it the Seattle PD, and Seattle PD was just basically like, "Nope, that's that's y'all now." And that's one thing that I do not support about the autonomous zone is that there are people within the autonomous zone that didn't choose to be within the autonomous zone and don't really want to be there. And I've seen reports from people who are afraid to leave their house, not because of any kind of like violence or anything, but they are kind of strictly controlling going in and out of the Chaz. So these are people who are like, well, I'm afraid if I leave, I'm not going to be able to get back in. So... And and that's our home. Like you can't just up and leave your home. So yeah, that's that, that's kind of kind of not great. But there's been lots of reporting 
from both sides on this as to what conditions are like within the autonomous zone. There are people saying that, oh, it's being overrun and there's people with machine guns walking the streets and basically patrolling the streets by themselves. And then there's other people who are like, no, it's fine. It's cool. It's just like more like a block party kind of vibe. It's not there's not anything dangerous or violent going on. I've seen lots of clips from people filming inside the autonomous zone of various sorts of things. I mean, I have seen people walking around with guns. I've seen people trying to peacefully negotiate through different confrontations that are going on. It just, I don't, I don't know. (laughs) But the one, the one picture that just cracks me up every time I see it, and I'm never going to be over it, is the gardening picture. Because obviously now they have this autonomous zone. And so it's like, it's, it's more kind of like a, like an ANCOM kind of vibe where it was like, okay, now we're going to grow our own food. So what they did was they found this patch of land and it looks like they just threw down like topsoil and stuck some plants in the topsoil. And I'm like, come on, even my urbane self knows that's not how you grow food. But it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you can tell that this was not something that was like super duper thought out. It's not like it's not like ANCAP's establishing ANCAPistan where you've had people who have been like planning this for ages and they kind of already have all the logistics figured out of how things would work. This is just kind of like an ad hoc thing that people were like, bucket, autonomous zone. And so now you have issues with like supply chains and being able to get stuff in and out of the autonomous zone. Um, there was one tweet going around where there was a list of things that they were asking for. Everything from like, tents to Gatorade to body lotion to sunglasses and it's like you guys did not you were not ready for this you did not plan for this you have not thought about this very much and so what's going to end up happening here I don't know like I said I'm I'm surprised that it's gone on this long and I mean there's already some reports of internal division, so maybe this might die of its own accord. Like I said, I'm I'm sure at some point the National Guard is going to be deployed to put an end to this little experiment, but in the vein of progressives just basically deciding, fuck it, we're going to try to do a thing, this is another thing that libertarians and ANCAPs have been talking about for years, and that's the idea of just basically getting land and declaring your own little space and you make the rules and it's preferably everybody here consensually you can leave you can go back you can do whatever you want within the bounds of the rules that are set up and that's that's another thing that a lot of people have made fun of is that as soon as they kind of established the chaz they started putting fencing around the edges so they created a border and then within the border they're kind of setting up rules and structures and people are like oh so you you basically you 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 got this autonomous zone and then you started creating borders and a government and an armed force to patrol the streets wait a minute does this not sound familiar which i mean again this was not very well thought out this was not planned and this is just kind of a bunch of anarchists for lack of a better term. I don't know if they actually identify as anarchists. I'll just call them ANCOMs because that's really like the closest thing to an accurate description of from what I can tell of what's going on inside the Chaz. 
just basically going for it and saying, well, you know what? We are going to establish an autonomous zone that has no police in it and no government. And I guess we'll just figure this out as we go along. We shall see what happens with that. But there's also people who are reporting that this is just a horrible, awful, no good thing, obviously, because there's a lot of people who are not going to be super duper cool with the idea of people just developing their own autonomous zones. <laughs> it's, it's Like I said, it's been a weird week. It's been a really weird week, guys. We've got one city abolishing their police. We've got Another city that has an autonomous zone set up inside it and apparently nobody's really fucking with it so far and people are just I don't I don't know what they're doing there. I wish somebody would like go in and like film it and do like a video or something. That would be super cool if any of you are so inclined and can get in. Let us know what's going on in there. So the last thing I want to talk about is Sadly, another police killing, and this time it happened in Atlanta. And so let me let me try to explain the facts as we know them right now, because this story really just blew up like about 24 hours before I started recording this. So details are kind of sketchy right now, but I'll try to explain as best of what we know right now. The man who was killed by police, his name was Richard Brooks. And from what I understand, all this took place in a Wendy's parking lot. And so here's what happened. Apparently, he was in the drive-thru and I guess he fell asleep while waiting in the drive-thru for his Wendy's order. And people started like going around him in the drive-thru because despite things being technically open for business here in Atlanta, um, a lot of restaurants still aren't open for like in-room dining and Wendy's is one of them. So if you watch this and you wonder why there are so many people in the drive-thru, it's because nobody can go inside. So anyway, this goes on and somebody, I don't know who, calls the cops. So cops come out and there's a lot of different videos of this from a lot of different angles. There's a lot of people who were obviously in their cars and they, they were taking cell phone videos. Um, the video, if you want to watch such a thing, of the actual shooting, the best one that actually shows it is actually the surveillance footage from the Wendy's itself, because that section shows the part where Brooks is running away from the cops and where he gets shot. But there's videos from various people both before that part and after that part that kind of show everything that lead up to that. So what happened is they wake him up somehow in the car and get him out of the car. And there's questions about whether a field sobriety test was was administered. Um, GBI says that they did that the officers did administer the field sobriety test on the scene and that he failed it. There are witnesses who were there in line at the drive-thru saying that there was not a field sobriety test done. So I guess we'll wait on body cam footage for that. Hopefully it exists. But anyway, so he's drunk and somehow or another, this results in them trying to arrest him. And Brooks fights the arrest. He's he's fighting the cops and they've got him down. There's two cops. They've got him down and 
while they have him down, Brooks gets a hold of one of their tasers. He he gets free. He starts running away from the cops. So he's running away. And then this is the part that you can see in the Wendy surveillance footage. He's running away, but he turns around and it's like a, it looks like like a half turn. Like he doesn't completely like stop and turn around and face the cops, but he turns back and he points the taser at them. I'm not sure if he actually fired the taser or not, but he points it at them and then he turns around and keeps running away. So after he points the taser at him, one of the cops obviously unholsters his gun shoots Brooks, and Brooks ends up dying at the hospital. Now, I watched the video. Again, you can if you want to. It's it's not, it's not graphic. I mean, you can't see blood or anything, but I mean, know that you are watching a video where somebody's going to get shot and will eventually die. Once again, my usual disclaimer, uh, it's not super fun watching videos where somebody dies. So just take that. But the And I'm trying to judge this up based on the amount of time from when Brooks turned around and pointed the taser at him to when he hit the pavement after being shot. Um, it's, it's questionable. It's really questionable whether the cop was acting in self-defense or not, because... The, the time, and I mean, of course, it takes time to unholster your weapon and draw down and fire on someone, but I mean, you can watch the video for yourself if you want. I, I, I was, I was a little confused when I was first hearing reports of this incident because before, before I watched like the, the surveillance video that actually shows what happened, there was a lot of people reporting in a slanted fashion. And the first thing that I was trying to figure out was like, well, did they shoot Brooks in the back or in the front? Because the way GBI was phrasing it, it made it sound like Brooks stopped, completely turned his body around and then pointed the taser at him. And then that's when they got shot. So if he got shot in the front, okay, that would, I mean, there's an argument that could be made there. If he got shot in the back, obviously he was retreating. And the same way that if you and I, shot someone in the back who was retreating from us, we would go to jail for that because that's not considered self-defense. So it, it was a bit confusing trying to rely just on reporting because obviously this is a moment in America right now where we are talking about police brutality and we are talking about people getting killed by the police. And yes, I will just go ahead and say it. Rashad Brooks is black and the officer that shot him was white. For what it's worth, I don't think that that aspect is really all that super duper important, but people will make make of that what they will. Just putting it out there, though. But it's it. I know. I mean, you, you're not supposed to shoot somebody that's fleeing from you, and the fallout from that again, because this is Atlanta and we handle things very fast. Uh, Mayor Bottoms declared that that when from her perspective and from what she saw that the use of deadly force was not warranted um one of the cops was fired immediately the other one's on administrative duty um our police chief has resigned so yeah this is obviously going to be a ongoing situation here in Atlanta and 
What ended up happening to the poor Wendy's, um, it got burnt to the ground, which I don't agree with burning things to the ground. I mean, the Wendy's is not the thing that hurt anybody here. The Wendy's was just a building that is an innocent bystander. Wendy's did nothing to anybody. Don't burn down businesses that have done nothing to you, have not harmed you. That is not the person that you need to be directing your anger towards. But so now we have a burnt down Wendy's and more protests, which we never stopped protesting here in Atlanta. I mean, there's been ongoing protests on a daily basis for a couple of weeks now. So this just adds fuel to that particular fire. Uh, Luckily, I've not seen any other reports other than that Wendy's of any other businesses being damaged or any other rioting or anything related to that. So fingers crossed that remains the case here. But the larger the larger question here and the larger conversation and where I hope this conversation goes is when is the use of deadly force acceptable? And you can go all the way back to the beginning of this whole confrontation, which was that he was he was asleep in his car. He passed out in his car. All right. I mean, at what point do you even call the cops anyway? Which, I mean, like I said, I don't know who called the cops. I don't know if it was somebody in the drive through line. I don't know if it was somebody within the Wendy's. But somebody dialed 911 because this man was asleep in his car and was somewhat blocking the drive through of a Wendy's. There's a lot of people still in this country who are way too quick to call 911 for situations that don't warrant involving armed agents of the state. And this is an example of one of those. Like, why couldn't somebody have just like went and knocked on his window and been like, hey, can you, you know, like get the fuck out of the drive through line or get your food or whatever? Like, don't call 911 for petty stuff, people. And stories like this always remind me of probably the thing that most set this kind of idea in my head. And I don't know if I've ever told this story explicitly on the podcast, so I'll tell you now. Um, at my job, I was in a position, and of course, this was not my decision. I am very anti-cop. I do not like calling cops. I do not like interacting with cops. The less I have to talk to cops, the better. But I had to call the police to file a police report on somebody who hadn't paid their bill. And so, you know, the police officer comes out, you, you do all the things. And he said, and this has just stuck with me the whole time, like, are you sure you want to file this report? Because once you file it, that's it. You can't you can't call up the next day and like unfile it. And that kind of that, that kind of took me aback for a second because it's something that I don't think a lot of people really think about when you call 911 or when you involve the state with pretty much anything is that once you make that call, once you once you call 911, once you file that police report, the situation is completely out of your hands. You have no control over what is going to happen next. And I'm sure whoever called 911 did not intend for this to end with Brooks being dead. I'm sure. But that's what happened. And to make matters worse is I'm sure whoever called 911 probably had to sit there and watch this unfold and know that 
you did that. Like you rung that bell and you might not have been thinking about it in that way, but you, you made that call, you got the state involved and then shit just spiraled out of control. And that happens all the time. But people kind of don't think about it because you're just so used to being like, oh, call 911. Like, oh, you see this, you see that, you see whatever, call 911. Like, no, don't call 911 unless it's an absolute, 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 absolute emergency because you don't know what's going to happen when those cops get there and you have no control over it. It's not like whoever dialed 911 could run out there and be like, no, stop, like, leave them be. Like, this is not what I wanted. Like, I just wanted you to get him out of the drive through line. I didn't want you to, like, tackle him to the ground or shoot him or do anything like that. But that's what happened. And that happens all the time. And so it's I, I hope people start understanding what it is when you bring the state and the police into a situation that, I mean, it's, you got to think about it. You really got to think about it because like I said, you have no control after that. Like if you, if that person, instead of dialing 911 would have said, you know what, let me just go knock on this dude's window and see if I can wake him up. Like you can control that situation because it's you. Once you bring in somebody else, like you can't tell them what to do. Like you can't tell the cops to stop doing whatever it is they're doing. They're going to do what they're going to do and you have no control over it. And then kind of the flip side to that is there are going to be people, and obviously all this broke over the weekend, so we've not had super duper discussions about it, but there's going to be people who are going to be like, he shouldn't have resisted arrest, he shouldn't have grabbed their taser, he shouldn't have turned around. It's like, okay, you can say all of that and you have a valid point, but what does any of that, what what in there justifies being killed over that? None of it. None of that justifies being killed. I mean, even if you want to make the argument, oh, well, he, he pointed the taser at him. Like, well, tasers are specifically meant to be non-lethal. That's the whole point of cops having tasers. So you're going to say that somebody threatening a police officer with a non-lethal object is justification for a police officer using a lethal object on somebody. That does not hold up. That does not make sense. That's not a good argument. But people are going to make that argument. And so there's going to be even more so, I think, than a lot of other police-based killings, there's going to be a lot of victim blaming. And I don't agree with it for the reasons I just said. Like, what what did Brooks do that warranted being killed over? And it's nothing. None of it. Being drunk and asleep in your car doesn't warrant being killed resisting arrest doesn't warrant being killed. Trying to get away from the cops doesn't warrant being killed. Like these are all pretty normal things that people would want to do in such a situation. And now he's dead. And it's like, we're, Oh, this is going to be such, such a bad, awful, no good conversation. This is going to be even worse than the Ahmad Avery conversation. It is. It's absolutely going to be worse. And, from what I've seen in that video, if this does go to trial, which I'm sure it will, the police officer is not going to get charged. I can tell you that right now. He's going to be found not guilty because the the excuse is still going to be there, even if somehow or another qualified immunity is no longer in existence by the time this trial eventually comes about. 
there's going to be always that, oh, well, there was a split second decision and the cop feared for their life and blah, 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 blah. You know, all the all the normal excuses that we hear are still going to be there. And that's, again, going back to changing attitudes about policing in this country. And that's going to be such a huge task. And it's just cops are not doing anything right now to try to make that task any easier. And so now we've got one more person dead at the hands of a police officer in this environment. This is going to be a long, ugly summer. It's really going to be a long, ugly summer. And again, I'm sure this is another situation that we'll be talking about next week and the week after that and the week after that, because this one is just, there's a lot, there's a lot to discuss. And there's going to be a lot of people making good faith and bad faith arguments around this one. And I'm not looking forward to it. I'm really, really not looking forward to it. But I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one up because I think that pretty much sums up this week. Oh, I'm not feeling very good about this upcoming week. (laughs) Especially since we have another police killing to discuss. And I don't really know how long the Chaz situation is going to be allowed to go on. But I'm sure disbanding that is going to be ugly. I mean, I don't see them allowing that to just continue on indefinitely. I hope things work out well for Minneapolis. But again, we shall see what happens there. I I hope something happens in Congress that is actually meaningful criminal justice reform and police reform. But again, that's always a fingers crossed sort of thing, too, because relying on Congress to do things is just, whoo, that's a fool's errand. But I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. So as always, if you did make it this far, thank you for listening. And if you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. Take care and until next time.